Welcome to Hebrew Bible Insights. In this episode, we talk about Peter's food nightmare. This is one of the stories in the Bible that when you understand the some of the roots in the Hebrew stories that happened before Jesus, it, it sheds a whole new light and gives deeper meaning to how we understand an important New Testament story that happens. I'm excited to talk about this with you today. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hi, welcome to Hebrew Bible Insights. I'm so excited that you're here for today's conversation. Uh, so today we're going to talk about one of my favorite stories uh, that happens in the New Testament that takes on a whole new level of meaning and understanding whenever we realize that it's connected to a story that happened before Jesus. This actually happens quite often in the New Testament, in the New Testament time period. And this is one of the great values that I find for anyone who decides, I want to get more serious about studying the Hebrew Bible, because you'll find that many of the New Testament stories are even more fascinating and hold even more meaning that inspire and challenge us. And that's what's going to hopefully happen today. Uh, so for today's conversation to make sense, I think there's just one, um, one reality of life that I think we all totally get, but I just want to get us all on the same page. Uh, let's say that the government decided to add one more holiday for us. There's one more Monday in the year that we get Monday off. Everyone gets Monday off of school, you get Monday off of work, uh, and you get paid for it, right? What a dream, that'd be awesome, right? You know, everyone's just benefit, okay? Let's just assume it's the best holiday ever created. Let's say they make it National Hebrew Bible Insights Day, okay? And everyone gets the day off, and you're all so happy because of me, yay, ha huh. okay. So you have this day off, so that means once a year, you have another day where you're excited for that long weekend, whether you're gonna go take a road trip, you're gonna go to the lake, you're just gonna lounge around the house, whatever you're gonna do, sleep in, it's like, yes, I'm so excited. And that would affect you one time a year. Uh, there are other changes though, let's say things that you do once a week. Maybe it's something that's a once a week meeting at work. It's like a long three hour meeting at work and let's say one week it's canceled. Suddenly you have three hours of free time. Let's say there are things maybe you do daily, and whatever things you do daily, if something were to affect that and change that, you would feel it. You know, this is like whenever I injured my back in high school, and I was used to playing basketball and working out almost every day of the week, and then suddenly I can't do that anymore. And so I had to find different things to fill my time, and so I learned how to do photography and started doing journalism and uh, learning some of those skills because like I, I was doing things for hours every day of the week and I can't do that anymore and so if I didn't find something else to fill my time I'd just go crazy so I think we all get this principle uh, but there's a story that I don't think we realize that this principle is happening in the New Testament story that completely adds uh, another layer of depth so there's a story that happens in the book of Acts where Peter is um, he's it's about ready for I don't know if it's lunch or dinner but it's about to be meal time and he's very hungry I can totally relate to that feeling I'm sure you can too very hungry he goes up to the to the roof to the top and because uh, in those days you know like there's often like a it was a, a nice area you could go up up to the top of the roof just to chill on a flat roof and he's just chilling up there super hungry and while he's waiting for the meal he ends up having a vision. And in this vision, this huge picnic blanket drops down with a bunch of food on it. Which, to me, that sounds like what my dreams are like whenever I'm really hungry. You know, I imagine seeing, for me, I love Asian food and Indian food. 
sounds great. I think my wife, uh, if she had a vision of a picnic table dropping down, it'd probably have sushi and Taco Bell and Arby's on it. Um, you know, I don't know what your food would be, but he has a vision of this picnic blanket comes down. Except for Peter, this isn't a dream. This is a nightmare. Um, you know, if there, if I were to have a nightmare of a picnic blanket dropping when I was really hungry, I would imagine like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, it's Golden Corral food is on this picnic table or, uh, you know, sorry for anyone who likes Golden Corral. One of my friends loves it. I just I don't, I don't understand how. Whatever your nightmare is, there's food on there like, oh, gross, nasty, disgusting. Oh, I can't believe it's that food. That's the type of nightmare that Peter has. Except it's not about food preference. What's on this picnic table are things that were supposed to be revolting to the Hebrew people. Not because they thought, oh, that food tastes nasty. I don't like that food. It's that the things, the food that was on that picnic blanket that was dropping down for Peter in his vision that he had from God were foods that God had told the Hebrew people, you do not eat these foods. You don't do it. And God didn't tell them this for dietary reasons. Like he was saying, hey, um, yeah, fried foods, a lot of oil, a lot of sugar foods, right? I'm going to put all that. You know, that's not what he was saying. Um, these were foods that he said, this is a way, one of the ways that you honor me by how you eat. Because the covenant they made at Sinai, there are a number of different things that God asked them to do. A number of things he told them that this is how you're going to live your life. And it, it uh, informed them on a number of levels in their society. And it was a way that they were set apart from the other nations. Some scholars think that some of these foods where they were told not to eat them uh, specifically because some of their neighbors, the neighboring countries, uh, the one of the ways that they may have worshipped their gods was by sacrificing these animals to their gods and eating these animals. And they were so connected to idol worship that, that God also told them not to eat them for that reason. Whatever the specific nuance is, God told them, you don't eat this stuff. So to an ancient Hebrew person, the food on this picnic table is revolting. You do not do this. And so when Peter sees this, he is shocked. He's like, no, no, I can't be seeing this. No, no, this is bad. What's crazy is God says, eat it. Eat this food. And Peter says to himself, there's no way. God, I cannot eat this food. I have never touched unholy, unclean food like this. And God responds with something that rocks Peter's world. He says, what I call clean, you do not call unclean. And that verbiage clean and unclean isn't like food that's been washed. Like some of you think, okay, I want to make sure I wash my vegetables and fruit I got from the store, get those pesticides off there before I eat it, you know? I like, and then the unclean food is like, oh, I dropped this on the floor, five second rule. Okay, it's still fine. That's not what God's talking about there. This verbiage of clean and unclean is very technical verbiage that's used in some of the conversations about the covenant that Israel had. Is there things that they would do, um, not just what they would eat, but things they would do that would, would, would cause a person to be, quote, clean, and things that would cause them to be, quote, unclean. It doesn't, the, the, those things don't necessarily, they don't, most of the time, they don't actually mean that this person is, um, you know, like super sinful what they're doing because a lot of these things are just simply daily or weekly parts of living and life. Um, but there are just certain ways that 
it would cause you to be unclean, which meant that there are things you couldn't do in the society in relation to the tabernacle or the temple. Okay, I'm not going to get in the weeds anymore with that. I don't want to lose you guys there, but if you want to do more research, you can on that topic, or you can reach out to me. Uh, but all to say that God was saying, what I call clean, you do not call unclean. He says, you eat this food. And so um, that's the vision. And so we're left wondering, was this really about food? Now, if it was, I think I would have been thankful, by the way. One of those foods, fun fact, is uh, pork. And so uh, the Hebrew people did not have bacon, right? Which I think that's almost a crime in itself. Uh, bacon is so good. Love that with breakfast. Um, and so, you know, obviously, in one sense, this vision does change things. That there's, there's a time when God asked the people of Israel, one of the ways you honor me is by what you eat. And then with the new covenant of Jesus, that's not, not a thing anymore. That's not one of the ways you honor God. It's just there's, there are new different ways we honor God now and serve a role and a purpose. But here's what you get. Is this story of the vision of Peter, we find out is actually not really about food. What it's about is Gentiles, people who were non-Jewish people, the outsiders of, of God's people. And this vision was about God saying, all people are clean. All people may come to me. Remember, again, I talk about this a lot, but this has always been a theme all the way back to the very beginning when God told Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Genesis 1 through 11 is about all the nations of the earth. The prophets speak about all the nations of the earth coming before God, being one family, being of one tribe, being of one group. Jesus makes it explicitly clear in the New Testament that this is what it's about. Because for the, the Hebrew people during the Old Testament time period, um, although they were called to reach the nations, you know, to be a blessing, a lot of their story is involved in being holy and being separate. And to the time of Jesus, they were very much segregated in that they just did not interact with Gentiles, didn't eat with them, didn't hang out with them. They weren't supposed to do that. But Jesus wanted this family to be a thing about all the families of the earth. So, uh, so then with Peter... The very next thing that happens is there is a, a Gentile man who is a God-fearing man. He fears God, but he, he doesn't know about the story of Jesus and about the Holy Spirit. And, well, he may have been aware about Jesus, but he hasn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. He hasn't, you know, uh, we can get into that conversation later. But basically, he hasn't, he hasn't been truly, deeply connected to God. And so because of this story, Peter then goes, and you know, prays for this man, and he's then filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what the story is, and um, there's a there's an important there's an important thing that we need to notice here in the story. Which, if you weren't already thinking about it, here's the odd part: why are dietary why are dietary laws connected to reaching Gentiles? Where I don't see the connecting of the dots here. Some of these times when Old Testament stories, poems, and laws are connected to the New Testament, it's, it's pretty clear. Like, for example, the Hebrew people used to have to sacrifice an animal for the forgiveness of sins. Okay? Well, then Jesus sacrifices himself for the sins of the world. And so, you know, we see, okay, someone is being sacrificed, someone is dying, sins are being forgiven, but Jesus is just like, it's the true, ultimate, awesome sacrifice, right? We can, we, we see the connection there, but how is this, how is food and reaching Gentiles connected? And then more importantly, which I'll get to at the very end of the episode, what does this have to do with me today? 
so here's what I would say. As I read this, as I've read this story multiple times, here's the conclusion I think I've come to for myself is this. Think about how often um, dietary food related things come up. Um, uh, when you're told as a group of people, what foods you eat and don't eat is a way you honor me. That's what God said. Every single meal that you eat is a way you honor God. And so that's at least right, probably three times a day. Um, for those of you athletes out there, maybe you're like eating six meals a day. I don't know, you know, just scarfing down food all the time. That's a number of times of the day where each point you reach that food you eat, you're choosing, I'm going to honor God or I'm not going to honor God with what I eat. And so this is something that's not just daily. This is multiple times a day you're thinking about this. And in essence, here's what God has said. That thing you do multiple times a day to honor me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to replace that with, and this is to the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people who have accepted Jesus, right? Keep them in mind, right? So for them, I want you to replace that with reaching Gentiles, with reaching people who formerly were on the outside. I want you to replace this with, let me use this word, outreach. Replace food with outreach. Of course, you're still supposed to eat. That's not the point. It's like taking away food. But with the same daily, multiple times a day intentionality that you think of honoring God through food, now we are, as Christians, supposed to think about uh, daily, multiple times a day. It should just be a part of our framework and our mind and our heart and our orientation is that we are thinking about how we too can do outreach, how we can reach out to those who are on the outside, just as most of us, me, you know, who would t you know, technically be Gentile, I'm sure most of the people listening are as well, just as we were on the outside. Outreach is now supposed to be one of the core characteristics of what we do. So uh, let me be very clear. This doesn't mean that, okay, you got to drop your job. Every time you have a meal, you should be signed up for a volunteer opportunity. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, is that outreach uh, should be a principle, a foundational pillar of our lives and how we view our lives. And so the way we approach um the people we interact with at work, whether that's coworkers or customers, whether that's uh, how we interact with strangers, and and whenever we go to stores or we go to um, we go somewhere that to go shopping for things, the way we interact with our our family and our relatives, our friends, our neighbors, everywhere in society, there should be a way that that when people interact with us, that they feel the love of Jesus in a tangible, real way. That can be something as as small as just being respectful to people in line. That can be something as big as deciding to to volunteer at our church or to volunteer in a, in a local in our local community in some way. Uh, that could be as simple as you deciding uh, between maybe you and your spouse or or you and some friends to do something to come together and say, "Let's go make a difference." I know people who are really passionate about adopting. Um, you know, I can't predict the future. My wife and I, we've talked very seriously about wanting to adopt a child at some point in our lives. Um, you know, maybe for you, you feel really passionate about the homeless community. Maybe some of you feel a real intense passion for reaching for reaching college students or for reaching kids, whatever that is. It's basically this, that, that loving others, 
with an, with a special attention to those who would feel on the quote outside. Loving others should just be a part of our natural rhythm, our heartbeat, like breathing in and breathing out, that this is what we do. Now, um, this should not, by the way, this should not feel like a burden. This should not feel like something that's a heavy weight and burden to carry. This is something that we simply do with Jesus. This is something that we do because we're empowered by his Holy Spirit that God is in us. And um, because we, we have God with us, you know, we're able to love in a way that we would never have been able to love before. We're able to love more deeply. We're able, to, we're able to forgive more fully. We're able to stand up for the oppressed more strongly. And we can do this because God is with us and because there's a community. That this isn't something that I, Matthew, do, like singular you do. This is something that we, as the body of Christ, that we, as the big C church, do. And I just want you to imagine with me, what would it be like if, if we, as a community, choose to say that one of the core distinguishing factors about me and the way that I view honoring God and the way that I view living at my purpose is to genuinely and deeply love the people that I come into contact with my life. And I'm going to take seriously the things that I feel God has put a passion on the inside of me to do. I can't tell you how many different types of people that I've gotten to work with or interact with, whether when I was working at a, ch at a church and interacting with, with families, volunteers, staff members, or working as a professor now, the number of students that I run into. And they're all different types of people who are passionate about a number of things. One of my great friends, he loves music and he's so good at it. And the way he interacts with people in the music community, I can never reach because if you know me, I'm really bad at music. His wife was, uh, was one of my coworkers as well at the church I worked at. And, uh, and she has an incredible passion for reaching um, kids with special needs. And when I was a kids pastor, I got to work with her, work directly with her for, for young kids who were in my environment who had special needs. And I, I tell you what, like her, the training that she got in college for this field and the love and the care that she puts for, toward them helped me and my volunteers to love these kids so much more effectively. There are people who love getting to reach, reach infants. There are those who love doing things with car mechanics. There are people who love all kinds of things. And realize God wants to work through you. He wants to work through what, he, like, why, why do you think you're passionate about the things you're passionate about? God's the one who's put that in your heart. And there's a way that that's connected to the real, tangible, loving of other people. And uh, as a side note, this shouldn't just be how we love outsiders. Remember that Jesus said, um, by this they will know that you are my disciples that you love one another. And so the same mindset should also be how we love others. Uh, unfortunately, it's it often seems so true that we treat strangers better than family. And I get it, the familiarity uh, can breed contempt. But let's also be people who we love our family well. We love our spouse, our kids, our relatives, our community, and everyone around us. So the story of Peter, this vision he has, it's about a lot more than just food. But when you remember the context of what role food played uh, for the Hebrew people, we realize how integral and significant Jesus 
and his mission that he gives us to love others, how deeply rooted in our lives that this should be. So hopefully this makes sense. There's a little bit of technical verbiage involved with this one. Uh, but as always, right, if you have questions or there are things that you think about in these in these episodes, I love conversation, I love dialogue, reach out to me. Uh, probably the best way to do that is to reach out to me on Facebook at Hebrew Bible Insights, or you can email me at Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, at HebrewBibleInsights.com. And uh, would love to be able to, uh, to interact with you on this. So without ado, uh, hopefully that encourages and inspires you as it does me, as I continue to strive to live a life of loving God and loving others well. So uh, thank you for uh, joining me in this episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Any support that you give is a huge help to me. I want to get the word out. I want to be able to share these stories and poems and speeches of the Hebrew Bible to help us love God and love others well. It's one of the most neglected parts of the Bible for Christians, and it has so much implication for helping us to follow Jesus in a better way. Uh, You can find me at Facebook, Hebrew Bible Insights. Also, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Anchor. And, um, you know, I'm starting a YouTube channel. So, uh, and also you can find me on Patreon for any of you that just feel compelled to, to give financially that helps me be able to devote more time and energy and get and get resources that will help me do this well. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you in the next conversation.